Welcome to the Monday Night Podcast. I'm Pastor Kenneth Davis. This week's episode, I'll continue talking about dealing with discontentment. So sit back. I hope that you enjoy and thank you for joining me. Welcome you into another episode of the Monday Night Podcast, and tonight I'm going to be continuing talking about uh, dealing with discontentment. Last week, as I uh, wrapped up that first episode on dealing with discontentment, um, we had talked about what discontentment was, uh, that it is a, a failure, it's an unhappiness because of one's failed hopes and dreams, it's Uh, failed desires and expectations it's when we deal with disappointment dissatisfaction let let down even regret and uh, there's frustration that comes with discontentment in our lives but the bible has many many uh, verses and examples of how we deal with these things in our life although there's a lot of uh, things going on in the world and a lot of things that people are striving for and reaching for, we see that discontentment is something that is prevalent in our day and age. And I quoted last week, this is just an anonymous quote, someone once said that half of the world is unhappy because it can't have the things that are making the other half unhappy. And uh, that goes along with you know, people just trying to keep up with their neighbors or trying to uh, have what someone else has in their life and what you see they have, it may make you happy, but um, that old nature that we have is just something that is part of our fallen nature. And that's what discontentment is. It's a, it's natural for our flesh to feel dissatisfied and feel disgruntled. And the word of God says that it is easy for the human heart to fall into sin. And it's essential that we learn the lessons that the Bible has, that we place our trust in the Lord in all things. There are many things that lead to discontentment. If you look in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 1, and I'm not going to read this, but I'll give you the reference there if you want to look it up. But we see the nation of Israel, uh, they started grumbling and complaining three days after leaving Mount Sinai. And for over a year, they had camped around this place that had been a place of revelation, a place of blessing, that they had received the written word of God. And their life was good around the mountain, but uh, now they had started complaining. And it's because that whenever we lose our focus on things, we start, uh, you know, grumbling, we start uh, complaining, and just as Israel had done, here they had lost their focus, and in their grumbling and their complaining, um, they forgot the blessings that God had given them. They they had also forgotten the hardships of being in slavery in Egypt. They did not remember just who they were. That um, scriptures there in Numbers chapter eleven, um, the Bible says that talks about the mixed multitude. And there are several translations that use the word rabble uh, instead of mixed multitude. And rabble was a group of people who were non-Hebrews who had attached themselves to Israel's deliverance. And while some of those who had attached themselves to Israel 
in the wilderness, uh, you know, the those people, the majority of them were Egyptians that had left Egypt as well. They were part of that mixed multitude. And the rabble, it represents those, you know, we see today that are just along for the ride. Uh, they don't have a claim on anything. These people, Egyptians, left with Israel. They got out of Israel. Israel was headed to the promised land because they had that uh, possession that God had promised them. But the rabble, the, the, the mixed multitude, the Egyptians, they had no claim to that promised land. And they were the ones to start complaining first. And complaining and grumbling and griping is something that we, you know, everywhere you turn, you see it, you hear it. Um, it's online. It's on, you know, social media. It's everywhere. And Dr. Roger Freeman, I'll quote this, he said that discontentment is an epidemic in our day and time, that everywhere we look, people are complaining about something. In our nation, the government is just not doing enough. In our schools, the teachers aren't teaching, or there is enough money for this or that. In the home, uh, the men aren't leading the children, and the children are rebelling because of it. He goes on to say, in our churches, the pastors are failing to meet the expectations of the congregation, and even in some of the largest denominations, that there are forced resignations by pastors at a rate of up to 60% a year. And he says that people have no sense of contentment in their lives, no sense of contentment. You see, for us to have contentment in our lives, we need to have an understanding of God working in our lives. And just as Israel lost their focus, when we lose our focus of what God is doing, we're going to start focusing on the things that are really negative things in our life. It's essential that we maintain our focus whenever things change, whenever times change around us, uh, when God leads us in a different direction, just as he did Israel, we have to focus on where we're going. And the Israelites, they got their eyes off the promised land and they got their eyes back on their problems. Um, so the thing about discontentment is, is that it, it can affect, infect many things. Um, in numbers, we see that, you know, not only did it infect the nation of Israel, but it even went even deeper than that, that this infection of uh, discontentment got into them. And there was complaining, uh, you know, by different sects, by different ones. And even uh, Moses began to complain at one time. And um, he was around people, you know, that had complained so much that he even started complaining. And, you know, it, it breeds discontentment. It breeds discontentment. But God wants us to be happy in our lives. And it's so easy that um, whenever, you know, things are going wrong or we're having things in life that happen, it's all too easy to get used to being negative. And, you know, when the positive things are right there in front of us, it may not be a good day, but it's probably not the worst day you've ever had. And it, if it is the worst day that you have ever had, God is there for us to rely on and God is there to pick us up and to help us. That infection of discontentment that infected the nation of Israel, um, it goes on in verse 10 and verse 11. It talks about that discontentment, it infected the homes of these Israelites. That uh, The Bible said that every man was at the door of his tent wailing and complaining. You see, discontentment can not only hurt a society, discontentment can hurt our family and even those around us. 
discontentment, as I said, got into Moses. Uh, he wasn't even immune to it because, uh, you know, he struggled to keep a positive outlook on what God was doing. So we have to look at where we are going and not focus on how things were, what things were in the past, because when you get to looking behind you, one, you can't see where you're supposed to be headed. And discontentment is something that, you know, you can look at it in many different ways. There's a story of, uh, you know, people who are negative all the time and find negativity in everything that they uh, deal with. And they're just constantly, you know, spitting out negativity. And here is a, a little story just to uh, kind of show us what uh, it can be like. And you've encountered people just like this, but it uh, says that a, a, a manager told his secretary about one of his men. He said he has such a bad memory that it's a wonder that he even remembers to breathe. He said, I asked him to pick a paper up, a newspaper up on his way back from lunch, but I'm not even sure he'll remember how to get back to the office. And just then the man came into the door and he was happy and smiling with enthusiasm. And he told his boss, he said, at lunch, I ran into one of our old customers who hasn't given us an order in seven years. And before uh, he left, I, I talked to him and he gave us a million dollar contract. And the boss just looked at the secretary and said, what did I tell you? He forgot the newspaper. You see, sometimes it doesn't matter how good things are going. Some people are just going to be dead set on being disgruntled and negative in the midst of all the positive things that are around us. And God, uh, he provides us with blessings so that we can look at life positive. We can look at life with contentment. God provided Moses with uh what he needed to help him during his time and God will provide you with resources to help you during your times of discontentment. The Bible talks about in numbers 11 and 16 said that God instructed Moses to find 70 elders of Israel. And these are not the same ones that was with Jethro who is his father-in-law, but uh, these men were those who were willing to stand by Moses, men who were spiritual, and Moses, who he just needed people around him who had faith. And God commanded that they were to go uh, and meet with Moses and to meet God there. And God has a way of us dealing with the discontentment. God answers discontentment, and this is one of the greatest things. And I I've been so thrilled of course, at our church, and I do this podcast uh, basically just for those of the church that uh, want to listen and don't get to be in service all the time, and it's just a little something extra, but uh, the way that the Spirit has been moving in the church services from the beginning of the service until the end, uh, it's just been different the last several weeks, and it's such a blessing, and it's so thrilling and exciting to see how God wants to work but this is exactly how God even worked with Moses and the children of Israel uh, God will deal with discontentment by putting a fresh anointing of his spirit in you because true contentment comes through our relationship with God and uh, two Sundays ago I think it was I uh, my sermon title was about the anointing uh, that we have that anointing of God in us of course, I 
used a different translation of the Bible and um, where it said that, you know, that the yoke is broken because of the anointing. One um, translation uses uh, it's broken because of the fat and uh, because that's where anointing all was derived from during that time and uh, titling my sermon, It's Good to Be Fat. I was in essence saying it's good to be anointed. So now there's just kind of a little uh, joke around the church that you know how many how many fat how many how many fat people do we have here, and it has nothing to do with physicality, but it has everything to do with spirituality. And uh, it's good to be fat. It's good to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And every child of God that has been baptized with the Spirit and spoken in tongues, you have that anointing inside of you that God wants to use for greater things. Moses, uh, go back to Moses, he had to be around some people who were spiritually discerning. And that's why being in a church service lifts us up, gives us a fresh spiritual strength and allows us to, you know, press on no matter what we're dealing with. Because if we struggle with discontentment, we need to surround ourselves with uh, spirit-filled people who have their eyes on God, those that will pray with you, those that will uh, encourage you, those that will love you and truthfully do it. Um, because living in a day and time when there's so much discontentment, even people who attend churches, they are still, uh, they can't find contentment because uh, they're looking for things in the wrong way and in the wrong manner. And uh, they go about uh, even trying to live for God because they're trying to find out, you know, God, what, not what can I do for you, God, but what can I get out of this for me? And the relationship we can have with God at a time when this world seems to be just falling apart uh, at every turn, uh, every day, it's something different. But because we have the words of the Lord uh, to encourage us, and we've got his spirit to anoint us, we've got the power to be overcomers and to not deal with discontentment the way that most people will uh, and that most people try. Um, as I've said, there's so much negativity out there. Uh, one writer said that the gift of grumbling is largely dispensed among those who have no other talents or who keep what they have wrapped up in a napkin. That was Charles Spurgeon. He, you know, Sometimes people turn to things because if they can tear someone else down, they don't have to dwell on how uh, discontented they are in their life. But uh, with Israel, it didn't matter what God sent to them. It didn't matter that God sent manna to feed them. They wanted more. Um, you know, they wanted flesh to eat. They had become so accustomed to that gift of manna that they wanted more. Uh, they, they turn to having a warped view of their past. Uh, you know, they remember the fish that we ate in Egypt. We remembered, uh, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the things that we had. And here this, you know, this is kind of a tra crazy transition that Israel's thinking has gone from, um, you know, being blessed by God to now they're dissatisfied with God's provisions. God had not changed. But Israel's way of thinking had changed, and they began to think of their past life in Egypt as something that was pleasant. And this is how people turn and they go back out away from God. They've not fully committed themselves to God. Uh, they have not rooted themselves in God's word by 
the teaching and reading and study and prayer and they get you know little glimpses of uh, when they get you know they get discontented become discontent with things that they're dealing with in life if you know god didn't answer a prayer immediately uh they, they start grumbling or complaining within themselves and then you know there's that old enemy he's right there to start saying well you know before you were asking god for things you know at least you know you could rely on yourself or uh, you start looking at the way life might have been in the past it doesn't matter how good life was in the past if you were living in sin that's the worst shape your life could have ever been in it didn't matter how much money how much um, property how much you know uh, whatever that you may have had if you're living in sin you're in worse shape than the poorest man on the planet but until we come to the realization that only God can help us and only God can work things out in our life. I preached last night. The sermon was, we need the light, talking about that Jesus Christ was Christ is the light that came to light this world. And that if we follow him, who is the light, we are not walking in darkness. So here, Israel, they had uh, seen the blessings of God. God had delivered them out of uh, the hand of Pharaoh and from the Egyptians and they had fled that place and he had placed them here, um, you know, uh, in the wilderness and he presented many things to them and he had done many wonders and he had provided to them. And, uh, you know, he instituted the tabernacle there in the wilderness and he was establishing that relationship with Israel, but they couldn't see past the things that, you know, they became dissatisfied with. And they began to think of how great their life in Egypt was. And the thing about discontentment is it will idolize the past. It will uh, cause you to forget how the past was. And the Israelites, they forgot just how bad the Egyptians mistreated them. Um, I'll say this, that there are many relationships today that people are were not happy in that relationship. And they got away from that person in that relationship. But their life, uh, you know, they're discontent in their life. And they get to thinking about how life was and the mistreatment in the past. It becomes something that, well, that wasn't so bad after all. It wasn't really their fault. Uh, you know, I probably had something to do with it. And I'll just go back and give it one more try. If God is not in that relationship, that relationship's not going to last. And that person uh, is not going to overcome the things that cause them to um, mistreat and to abuse and to uh, walk out in the past because there's been no reconciliation of their life with God. In Israel, they had forgot that severe mistreatment that had caused them to cry out to God in the first place. But now that God had delivered them uh, by his mighty hand of power, here they begin to romanticize about the past because they were dissatisfied. And they chose to think that a lie was better uh, to enjoy and to live in a lie than what God had supernaturally provided for Israel. So discontentment can cause a lot of things. It can cause frustration. It can cause bad choices. And as I said, it, and it, it, it will infect a lot of areas of life that we have to go through and that we have to deal with. But whenever there is a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost, it will cause your relationship with God to grow. And as I said last week, 
that godliness with contentment is great gain. If we struggle with discontentment, we need to get ourselves in a place that's surrounded with uh, people who have their eyes on God, who are filled with the Spirit, who can discern God, who can pray for you, who can help you. And godliness is something that we strive for. It is an active pursuit of God and God's holiness through our worship, through our daily living. It is, yes, it is an inward and an outward expression of reverence toward God. It is a an expression of reverence toward God. And that godliness that we strive for and we long for and we, you know, achieve day by day can just be summed up in one word, and that is devoted to God, being devoted to God, because godliness is defined as godlikeness, but, it, it, you know, it's impossible in this humanity that we're in to, to be like God in that sense of his moral nature, but, you know, we want to be like him, we want to live according to what his word uh, gives us, and, you know, whenever we are a child of God, uh, we are a Christian, we are Christ-like, but some people take it to the extreme and that thought of being Christ-like, they get to the extreme of being God-like and you've got to be careful because you can't, you, you, you're never going to be God, God's ourselves. They get to that thinking that I'm going to rise, arise to this new level that, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to be another little God running around. But the, the thing about understanding godliness is found in the definition. It's really God-wordness. Godliness motivates us toward God. It takes us toward God. First um, Timothy 6 and 5, I used this last week because many are confused about this, that uh, to have gain in our life, to have money, wealth, it is not godliness, as some suppose. And you go read First uh, Timothy 6 and 5, because uh, contentment in that context of the Scripture there means it's self-satisfaction um, and being happy enough with what one has and not desiring something more or, or, or different, you know, being content. So whenever we have godliness and we're content, we're satisfied, I'm happy with what I've got, and I'm not desiring something more, um, you know, that that thing that Israel, instead of being satisfied with what God had provided them with, they needed and wanted more. So um, godliness uh, will bring contentment in our lives, pursuing God. The, um, the expression, um, you know, of I have gotten this gain, um, it, it is it means you know something that's been procured or it's an acquisition or something that's being furnished um, that great gain there is what does that really help us with in the end after all but uh, contentment is something that God wants to have in your life and he wants to have uh, in your life each and every day because when you're content with things you're not searching for other things and Contentment is a defense against the things that our, our flesh chases after, um, the thing that our flesh lusts after. Uh, it is a defense against greed. It's a defense against selfishness, covetousness, worldliness. It's a protection against the, the things in life that encroach on our life, that, it, you know, it's enticements to try to lead us astray. 
And um, But contentment, it is a defense mechanism that we have built in that when we're content with God, what else do I need? Even our, in our society that we live in, God's word cannot be taken lightly. But uh, saints of God, we got to beware, beware and be, uh, be aware of the foul spirits of discontentment that invade our lives and can come in, which will in effect separate us from our walk with God and our uh, in our walk with God, our relationship with God. And because of this, it's something that I believe that whenever you thank God every day for what you have, that you always take time to thank him for what he has blessed you with. It may not be great. It may not be a large amount. Uh, you know, we, we, we need to take what God has given us and be thankful for it. Um, some people's lives, they're discontent in their life and it, it leaks over that they're discontent even in church. And, um, because of people being discontent with everything, you know, they go to the, they go to a store, they didn't have what they wanted. Um, you know, they, they weren't satisfied with the service at a restaurant. Um, you know, their job, they're not happy with that. And if we lead a life that we're discontented in all these areas, uh, that that could very well leak over into your walk with God and even how you view the church and how you view going to church. And whenever, you know, everything in this life we deal with has become so commercialized. If if we're not careful, we will, uh, you know, you lose your respect for this establishment and that establishment because you're 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 not content with what you gained from them, what you got from them. We can do the same thing and we can lose our respect for the church. Um, some people have the same commitment to the church and being at church as they do to the store that they shop. And um, they they only want to go there if they can get something while they are there. Um, you know, the church is not Walmart and you don't go to the church to get what you need. Uh, you go to church to give worship and praise to God and to receive what God wants to give you. And whenever we have that discontentment in our lives, uh, that mentality can take over and even start focusing on God and God's church. And we have to uh, step back and say, God, I'm not approaching this with the right attitude and the right spirit. Um, yeah, I see churches today that, uh, they're giving away this and giving away that, trying to get people in the doors. Uh, you know, they're, they're having this contest and that contest, trying to get people. Uh, you know, people don't come for prizes. They're not looking for uh, gifts. They're not looking for presents. They're looking for something to satisfy their soul. They're not going to be content with what we give away. They're only going to be content with what God gives them when they're willing to to humble themselves to God and seeking God for something greater in their life. Because if, you know, if we're just trying to advertise church, you know, people say, well, I'll go there if they offer me something. Well, the greatest thing the church can offer is a life that leads them to godliness and devotion to God and will give us a satisfaction each and every day and put happiness in our lives because that way every day that you go you know when people have no direction they don't have any purpose they they become very discontent they they grumble and complain easily every day that you get up and you know that today god has placed me on this earth 
And God, I want you to lead me and guide me the way that you would have me go today. You have me talk to those you would have me talk to. You put people in my pathway today, Lord, that that either I can influence in a positive way for you or they can influence in a positive way uh, in my life uh, because I need those people. And whenever we look to God and ask God each and every day that whatever it is that I may struggle with, that I know that God will be there and God will help me and God will lead me and God will guide me. Uh, One thing that Uh, contentment and being discontent uh, comes down to is just, you know, the attitudes that we have uh, and how our attitude is during life. Uh, Paul, even when he wrote to the Ephesians, he he talks about this, even having the proper attitude. And I want to read this, not not the Ephesians, but the Philippians. Uh, Philippians 4.10, he said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Whatsoever state I am in, he said, therewith to be content. Philippians 4.13 is one scripture that people use constantly that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me but you got to understand in context Paul was saying I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me because I have learned that whatever state I am in that I can be content right there and at the time he was writing this he was a prisoner in Rome he was a prisoner there because he had been preaching the gospel and because he was standing up for his beliefs and for his doctrine. And as I look at the time, I'm winding right down to being on 30 minutes, and I want to kind of come to a close here. But I want to say thank you very much for joining me again this week. Next week, I may continue talking about discontentment or get on to another topic. Uh, I'll just see which way I feel led and what to do. But until next week, I pray that God blesses you, that you find meat in the word of God, that you find these words that I've spoken as something to help you in your life and help you in your walk with God. And I'll talk to you soon. God bless you.